going to introduce our guest in just a moment. Uh, he leads Elam Ministries, and uh, Elam is one of the partners we've partnered with here at Calvary. And I want you just to know that as you give financially, you support partners like Elam. And you're going to hear some stories. When you hear the stories, those are stories we've been investing in. Oh, nearly uh, half a million dollars in the last few years of investment in what God is doing in the Iranian church through our partner Elam. And all of those funds that we give to them have come through the regular offerings. So as Pastor Brian mentioned that earlier, uh, just be reminded that what you hear is a result of our prayers and our investment together, our partnership with Elam. And I want to mention as well that uh, during David's talk, there'll be a couple of videos. And for those of you who are joining us online, we're so glad you're joining us. But to protect the safety and security of the individuals in the video, uh, the videos will not be shown online. So just stick with us. We'll come back after those videos, and he'll set them up. You'll get a sense of those. But you can imagine the security and safety of our brothers and sisters in Christ in Iran or even outside of Iran who could have family members there are very important to us. And so those videos won't be played online. And if you're in the room, you'll notice that many of the faces will be blurred. And so thank you for uh, that flexibility so we can be uh, loving toward our brothers and sisters in Christ who will be on those videos. And uh, let me just tell you a little bit about David. I want to just give you kind of the, the formal introduction of who he is so you get a little background to him, and then I'll share a few of my own thoughts. But uh, David Z uh, Yagnazar, who is with us today, has served with Elam Ministries for 24 years and was appointed executive director in 2014. Native to Iran, David's family has been serving the Iranian church for three generations. David has been at the heart of Elam's efforts to train thousands of leaders for the church in Iran, print and deploy nearly three million scriptures in Persian, planted churches all over the Iran region, served thousands of poor and persecuted, and produced TV programs that are broadcast weekly into Iran and made available all around the world online. David has also spearheaded the development of Safar, a one-to-one -one discipleship tool to help believers walk alongside new believers as they take their first steps in their journey of faith. You can check out Safar, that, that discipleship material. It's also there in English. It's Safar, like Safari, just drop the I, safar.org. Thousands are using Safar to learn to follow Jesus as his disciples. David is married to Louise. Uh, this is their 25th anniversary year, so congratulations to you and Louise. They have four children. Grace and Theo are in college, and Hope and Beata, Beata, Beata are still at home. Now, David spoke a number of years ago, and I know many were blessed and encouraged by the stories he shared and our partnership with them to reach the church in Iran, to reach the people of Iran, and to encourage the church there. I just want to say about less than a year ago, David came through on a weekday and Pastor Brian Field, our missions and outreach pastor, was up here sharing the announcements and uh, started the service. We got to sit down and we went to Stonehouse and had breakfast with David. And that breakfast was so precious that it turned into lunch. That rarely happens. But I have to say, with all the noise and all the stuff that's gone on in the last few years, to hear David uh, speak into our lives and just encourage us, and I'll never forget in the conversation how he just talked about how with all that's going on in the world, the church needs to stay focused on the sweet, sweet gospel of Jesus. And I think you'll get that same sense of his heart that blessed me and encouraged me uh, about a year ago and encouraged Pastor Brian as well. I think you're going to get that as David comes to share with us what's going on in our partnership together uh, among Persian people around the world. Would you welcome David Yagnazar, please? Thank 
Good morning. It's wonderful to be with you this morning. And it actually happens to be Persian New Year. So happy New Year. Do you want to learn some Farsi? You can, if you have any Persian friends, I'll teach you how to say Happy New Year in Farsi. So it's very simple. Eide Shoma Mubarak. Can you say that? Come on, you can learn some Farsi here. Eide Shoma Mubarak. And as Iranians are celebrating New Year, uh, this is, I mean, it really is, you know, the big, big celebration. Families all over Iran are celebrating today. And uh, actually yesterday, some of our churches, we have churches inside Iran, house churches, but we also have churches with, that work with Iranian refugees in, in countries like Turkey. In one church yesterday, they had a big celebration, and a hundred Iranians gave their lives to Jesus just yesterday. Isn't that wonderful? And my, many of you might remember praying for a guy called Farshid who was imprisoned in Iran for five years. He was at that celebration yesterday. And in that crowd was a guy that he was in prison with in Iran. And he had the privilege of leading somebody he was in prison with in Iran to the Lord yesterday. It's amazing what God is doing. Uh, one more thing on Persian New Year is we have Persian New Testaments out at our table at the back. If you have any Iranian friends, any neighbors, uh, either today or throughout this week, take one of those New Testaments, they're free, take it and give it to them and just say, Happy New Year. They will be shocked, they'll be amazed, they'll be grateful, and you'll get the Word of God into their hands. So if you have any Iranian friends, just go and grab one of those New Testaments and give it to them. So, as Pastor Sean said, uh, we're so grateful for our partnership with you. You guys have really uh, invested, you've prayed, you've stood with us, and I pray that today will be an encouragement to you as you hear what God is doing. It's also encouraging for me to hear what God is doing in your own community. But I feel like there's so much that God is doing there that I think it can really encourage you. So I'm just, I feel like I'm with friends and I'm gonna just share, uh, like we're, around the table and uh, just sharing the stories of God. But I, before I do that, I just want to pray, and I want to ask you, you know, there's so much, we're in very difficult days, tumultuous days, a lot of tension, a lot of noise, a lot of voices vying for our attention. And uh, it's important for us to hear the voice of Jesus. The wonderful thing is, in all that's going on, in all the challenges and all the difficulties, Jesus Christ speaks to his church. He speaks to us. That is amazing. Just, just think about the God of all creation wants to speak to us in the midst of all that's going on. He's done it before. The book of Revelation, Jesus speaks to the church. And that church was going through a, a huge time of disruption and confusion and difficulty and suffering and persecution, and Jesus himself speaks. We have a record of it, Revelation 2 and 3. He speaks, and he encourages, and he guides, and he leads. So uh, I want to ask you to pray. There's nothing more important for us in this time to, than to hear the voice of God. And as, as I speak, I'm going to share about a message on the greatest call this beautiful call of Jesus to be his disciples and to make disciples. But as I speak, maybe 
a word that will remind you that Jesus is alive. He's the one who was dead and is alive. He is the first and the last. He is the one who was, who is, and is to come. He is amazing. He is with us. Maybe you'll get a word of comfort that Jesus knows. He knows our situation. He's not forgotten. He's not unaware of what's happening in the world. He's not panicking in heaven, thinking, oh, this is not what I expected. What do I do now? Jesus knows. He knows our hearts. He knows our minds. He knows our deeds. He knows our passions. He knows where we live, it says in Revelation 2. I know where you live, he says. Or maybe a a word of encouragement that Jesus celebrates what the good, the service, your love, your faithfulness, or maybe a loving word of rebuke that calls us, as you hear Jesus calling us to be his, to be faithful, to be obedient in everything, to give our whole lives. He wants a a holy church, an obedient church, and maybe today he'll call you forward in your own following of Jesus. So let's pray. Would you open your hearts? Jesus repeats multiple times, those who have ears, let them hear. So it's not just good stories, but hear what the Lord wants to say to you today. So Lord Jesus, we thank you that you are, that you are alive and that you're, you want to speak to your church. You want to speak to this church today, to the body of Christ in this building, Lord, or even online. Father, I pray that you would help our hearts and our minds to hear your voice over all the other voices. We would hear what you say to us. We put into practice what you want to say. Thank you for dear friends in this room, brothers and sisters, some who've known you for a long time, some who are joining this journey, uh, they're early in the journey. Thank you that you love them all, you want to speak to us all. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. So I want to read... Uh, from the book of Matthew, chapter 4, 18 to 20. Beautiful uh, call that Jesus gave the early disciples. And for many of us, it's familiar words, but I want to read, and then we'll go to Matthew 28, 19. But it says this, As Jesus was walking beside the Sea of Galilee, he saw two brothers, Simon called Peter and his brother Andrew. They were casting a net into the lake, for they were fishermen. Come, follow me, Jesus said, and I will send you out to fish for people. At once they left their nets and they followed him. Then Matthew 28, 19, therefore go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. One of the reasons that the church is growing in Iran is that they, the people who hear about Jesus, they understand that this is the greatest call that they could ever receive in their lives. To follow Jesus, to be made by him, and to join his mission. So, a great story. I've got lots of great stories, and it's just amazing. Some, I, the number of things that are happening so I hope you'll enjoy these stories. But what, the first one is a girl called Sarah. Sarah lives in Turkey. She's a refugee. She's come to know the Lord through one of the churches there. 
Her pastor and uh, 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 her pastors are Cheyenne and Annette. They're amazing people, full of energy, excited. You know, the, the characters in the Iranian church are brilliant. You just got to imagine. They're, they're just all kinds of uh, energetic characters. And Cheyenne and Annette are amazing young leaders. They disciple Sarah. Sarah feels like she wants to join the story of God. So she uh, grows in her faith. She wants to be a disciple, but she wants to help somebody else. She calls her cousin in a city in the south of Iran, about a million, a million and a half people, no known church there. She calls her cousin and shares Jesus with her cousin. Her cousin comes to faith. And so Sarah decides that she will disciple her cousin Anita. We're using this discipleship program we have called Safar. As Sean said, you can check it out, safar.org. It's a one-to-one discipleship journey. There are 30 steps in it. It just makes it simple for one believer to help disciple somebody else. It's in English as well. You can use it if you're interested. So Sarah disciples her cousin Anita. And in this discipleship process, they're encouraged to share the gospel. So Anita shares the gospel with her mother. Her mother comes to faith. But they have a problem. Anita's father, the mother's husband, is a senior police officer, policeman, one of the chief police people in that city. He's a guy who's feared by many people. And they think, well, if he finds out that we're Christians, uh, we could be in trouble. He'll be upset. He'll be angry. But they can't hold it in. So the mother just falls in love with Jesus. She starts to share with her son, Anita's brother. Her son comes to Christ. His wife comes to Christ. Now there's four of them. And this is happening during COVID. There's no church for them to join. So they join the online Zoom meeting of the church in Turkey. And they come a few times. The father finds out that they become believers. He is angry. But at the same time, he notices because they're being disciples, being changed, being as they follow Jesus, their lives, he notices something is different in their lives. So... One day, he suddenly joins the Zoom meeting, and uh, Cheyenne, who's the pastor of the church, knows the story, knows about this man. He sees him, and Cheyenne is just this energetic guy, so he's in front of everybody. He says to this policeman, welcome to the service this morning, and the guy says, I'm not here to become a Christian. I'm just here to find out what's this nonsense that my family are involved with. I will never become a Christian. Don't you love it when people say, I will never? That's why some of you have prayed, I will never go to Hawaii on missions, right? (laughs) But he says, I will never become a Christian. The power of God was so present on that Zoom meeting. And I pray whoever's listening online, you experience the power of God today. At the end of that two-hour Zoom meeting, He's in tears giving his life to Jesus Christ, this policeman from the south of Iran. Amen. But it goes on. They decide, they they grow in Christ. He gets rid of, he calls Shayan and says, what do I do with all these Islamic things? He takes everything out of his house. He wants to follow Jesus. Then two weeks later, he calls Shayan. He says, we couldn't hold it in anymore. 
We drove six hours to visit family. They drove to, to the north six hours. We've spent the whole day telling them what's happened to us. And there's seven of them in the living room with me now. They want to give their lives to Jesus. What do I do? And that man has gone, they've gone in the last few months to six or seven cities sharing the gospel of Jesus Christ. I love this story because it starts with a simple, young, refugee girl who was discipled, who took her discipleship to Jesus seriously and said, I want to join and make others disciples as well. Guys, it's not complicated. It's not rocket science. We're not doing brain surgery here. We're not, doing, we're not sending somebody to you know, Mars or whatever. It's, it's, not, it's following Jesus as disciples and making others his disciples as well. And then the whole family turns to Christ. Their lives are changed. You see, when we follow Jesus, you take anybody and you help them follow Jesus, the living God, the one who created all things, the one who knows all things with the wisdom with which he created the world, and you follow him and are empowered by his spirit, then great things will happen through any life. And that's what's happening. Following Jesus and joining his mission. And so this is happening all over Iran. People deciding to follow Jesus, hearing this wonderful call and following him. It's happening uh, in prisons. People, you know, conversations about Jesus, even all the way to prison. One of our friends has gone to prison three times. And in every time, he's led people to Christ in prison. Another friend of mine, a partner, somebody who works with us, his father had come to Christ. In fact, he'd prayed for his father for two years. Somebody he never expected would come there, but it was his dream that he would baptize his father. He prayed for him for two years. One night, he got a call from his dad. He he's, works outside. He works in Europe. Got a call from his dad in Iran, 4.30 in the morning. His dad said, I just had a dream, and in my dream, Jesus came to me and said, Reza, Reza, the dad's name, Reza, Reza, I am the Jesus your son is talking about. Listen to him. Fifteen minutes later, my, my friend leads his dad to Christ. That dad helped in ministry in Iran, and last year he was arrested and imprisoned. It's a long story. He was tortured in prison. He has permanent injuries on one of his legs because of his torture. So my friend calls me, my colleague. I'm talking to him. He's in tears. I say, how can I? He said, I'm going to call my dad now and see how he's doing. So I'm praying for him. He calls his dad. And he says, Dad, I'm so sorry. And you know what his dad says to him? He says, son, didn't you tell me? He said, he said it with a smile on his face. Didn't you tell me that Jesus died on the cross for me, that his body was wounded for me? Isn't it my joy and privilege to suffer for him? And he said, be at peace. And from Iran, he was comforting my friend because he wants to follow in the footsteps of Jesus. And after his release, he went and shared the gospel with family. And several of those hard-line people have given their lives to Jesus. Uh, here's a picture of a mullah. This is a senior Islamic cleric who is an, actually an Afghan. 
an Afghan who's gone from Afghanistan to study Islamic theology in Iran. He is now a believer of Jesus Christ, learning to be a disciple and helping others be disciples. It's happening in homes. This is a beautiful picture. I wish you could see their faces. So sweet, this little boy, six years old. His parents had been, had came to faith just about two months after COVID started. Somebody discipled them. They grew in their faith. We were able to send this little boy uh, a translation of uh, my first study Bible. Some of you might have that in your homes. You look a little bit older, uh, so but maybe your kids have it. But he, he, we got him this first study Bible. This little boy loved his Bible so much. He uh, read it every day. Then his grandfather, the man you can see, comes into their home one day. So the boy runs, gets his New Testament, grabs it and comes and sits on his grandfather's lap and starts to read the stories of Jesus, explain the story, a six-year-old to an 80-year-old man sharing the gospel. And two weeks later, that 80-year-old man gives his life to Jesus. Guys, this is a wonderful call to follow Jesus, it doesn't matter whether you're 80 or you're six years old, everybody has, has been given this call and it's wonderful. And so we have an opportunity and it's, people are talking about Jesus all over Iran. We have an opportunity. We really sense that this is a time where we can work to make Jesus the biggest conversation in Iran, in cities, in towns, in villages in corridors of power, in universities, in hospitals, in prisons, in homes. Jesus can become the biggest conversation. It's a big goal, but it's something that we can do if we keep going, fuel the fire of evangelism, but in particular, help people understand that this is the greatest call to follow him as disciples and make disciples. So I want to uh, just look at this passage that we read, this, this call that Jesus makes. It's an invitation to follow him. Three parts of it um, to help you as you are thinking about your own discipleship to Jesus. First of all, Jesus says, follow me. Three parts. Follow me and I will make you. He says, I will form you and then make you fishers of men. Three parts of this invitation. So first of all, follow me. The word disciple in the Bible is used over 250 times. The New Testament, the, but we only see the word Christian three times. Follow me means it's an invitation to discipleship. Discipleship means to be like an apprentice. To be a disciple is to be an apprentice, a learner, somebody who follows, somebody who observes, somebody who watches carefully um, and, and does exactly what we're doing. After the service last night, we went to an Italian restaurant with my brother who lives in town. We talked to the chef afterwards, and I asked him, I said, uh, how, it, was, it was really good food. Um, made in Italy, by the way, it's right here. Uh, and uh, I asked him, how did you learn? He said, he said I, there was a guy in Italy who taught me, but I wasn't allowed to ask questions. I was just told, watch what I do and do the same. That's what he told me last night. That's an apprentice, watching, following, looking, observing, and then doing what the master says. And the invitation is to anybody 
to follow, to follow, to come after him. Beautiful story from just two weeks ago. I got this voicemail from one of the ladies, and by the way, women are right at the heart of this church that's growing in Iran. You heard about Sarah and Anita. Uh, so this lady is disciple, gets a call from somebody in Iran. She says, I found a New Testament. Can you, and some of the New Testaments, when we distribute the scriptures, um, we put the, a phone number in them for, for them to call. So she calls. And so she, my friend leads her to Christ, talks about her testimony. This girl gives her life to Christ in Iran. They go start doing this Safar discipleship process. And on step two, the lady calls her and says, look, you should probably know how I, should, how I got my New Testament. And she begins to open up. She's a single mother living below the poverty line. Um, three kids. And so how does she survive? She's a thief. She steals handbags. And in one of the handbags about a month ago, two months ago, she finds a New Testament. And she looks at that book. She starts to read it, and she calls the number. Jesus invites a handbag thief in Iran, living below the poverty line, single mother with three kids. Jesus says to her, follow me. And she is. And if we help her follow Jesus, if that woman, the world sees a handbag thief, but Jesus sees somebody who can be a disciple and a disciple maker, if she learns to follow Jesus, don't you think great things will happen in and through her life? And so that's why we're so excited to help everyone understand that this is the greatest call and the call is to follow him. But then secondly, follow me, and then Jesus says, and I will make you. He doesn't just leave us where we are. He forms us. He shapes us. He builds us. He makes us into something new. Where we hold grudges, he shapes us into people who forgive. Where we're afraid, he gives us courage. Where we're self-absorbed. He makes us people who want to serve others and live for others. A friend of mine, Amir Hussain, what was connected with a man called Abu Zar in a refugee camp in Serbia, led this guy to Christ and decided to help him follow Jesus, to disciple him. So he started discipling him, invested time with him, gave him uh, you know, just invested, built relationship with him, and they went through this discipleship journey. There are 30 steps, as I said. Step 12 is a step on forgiveness. So they get to the step. Things are going well. Step 12 is forgiveness. Abu Zar takes a deep breath. It's about to share something with Amir Hussein he's never told anyone. He says, are you, can I share something with you? Amir Hussein says, sure. Abu Zar says, I have four older brothers. He's right now, he's about 40 years old, Abu Zah. He said, I have four older brothers. When I was a child, all of them abused me, physically and sexually. Are you saying I need to forgive them? Jesus says, I will make you. I will form you. They walk through that step. Abu Zar 
forgives his brothers and is free from years and years of pain. And he's made into somebody who forgives. He calls his brothers in Iran and says, I forgive you. I've forgiven you because this is what Jesus has done for me. And two of his brothers give their lives to Christ. So he starts to disciple those two brothers who had abused him. Can you see the beauty of the gospel? The transformation that it brings as we follow Jesus. Go say, we want to be your disciple. And we want to join what you're doing. Those two brothers have led their families to Christ in Iran. And it happens because somebody says, this is the greatest call on my life and I want to share it with others. I want to help somebody else. And that person then learns to follow Jesus. And if that person, like I've said two times already, that person learns to follow Jesus, the living God, the one who knows all things, the one who can do all things, then surely, of course, he can take somebody like Abuzar and make something beautiful out of their lives. Jesus said, follow me. I will make you. I will form you. But then he says, to do what? To make you fishers of men. As Jesus forms and makes us his disciples, he gives us a new purpose a new thing to do, a new purpose to live for, a new passion to die for. And so that's what happened to those disciples. Guys, often we think that discipleship is, we mix it up with this strange idea that discipleship is learning more so that we make God happy, so that he blesses our plans for our lives to do what we want to do. That if we somehow show that we grow in faith and we trust him, he's going to say, okay, that's good. Do, what do you want? Okay, you get that. No, discipleship is joining him in his mission, what he's passionate about. I'm going to make you into something and give you something much bigger than yourselves. It's so much greater. It's the greatest call. It's not, it's not just something, oh, what, what's your little plan for your little life? No, you have a, I have a great plan for your life to impact the entire world. And so he says, make you fishers of men. And he can take anybody and help them join this great mission. Every single person. There's not a single person in this room that cannot be a part of the mission that Jesus has. The great purpose, the great story that he's writing. A guy called Nehemiah was on our course recently, a two-week course. We have various programs from the discipleship to a two-week discipleship, then three-month course, and then ongoing training for leaders. But this guy, Nehemiah, was on our two-week course. And uh, we've trained about 700 people through that in the last year, all over the Iran region. They're doing great things. Nehemiah was on the course, and he told his story. When he was young, when he was about 15 years old, he lives in a city in Iran, the east of Iran, Mashhad, Hardline city, he's from a poor family. One day, a, 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 a Taliban man comes from Afghanistan, buys his sister from his dad to be his wife. They have no money, the man sells his sister, his daughter. 
Nehemiah's sister. Nehemiah's crushed as she leaves the house. She's crying. And he made it his desire, his passion. He went, one day I want to rescue her. But she's gone to Afghanistan. He didn't know how to do it. Couldn't do it. A few years later, somebody shares the gospel with Nehemiah. He comes to Christ. Somebody disciples him through Safar. So he calls his sister. She's secretly answering the phone. He says, I've met Jesus Christ. And he realizes maybe this is the way I can save her. So he says, he leads her to Christ. And then everything he learns in Sapphire, in each step, he calls her and shares it. She begins to grow. Then he ends up on our two-week course. And every day they learn. Six hours, these guys are so hungry for the Word of God. Six hours a day for two weeks on Zoom. Online course. Six hours a day on Zoom, and then they go out and share. It's just amazing what's going on. So he takes that, whatever he learns, Every night he calls his sister after he's, he's done this and he shares it with his sister. And she's there learning, listening, taking notes. And he, she says to him, I've shared the gospel with her husband. The Taliban man has four sisters. She shared the gospel with four of the sisters and all four of them have come to Christ in Afghanistan. This is just last year, guys. These amazing things that are happening. This girl starts to share the gospel. She, they, four of them come to Christ. But anyway, He's sharing every day what he learns. And one of the days, uh, I think like the fifth or sixth day, is a day on intercession. Intercession, not just for, for, for people, even those who are our enemies. And he's thinking, oh, no, I've got to pray for my dad and this Taliban man now. I have to do that. And he's talking with the group. Do I need to do that? And they're kind of saying, yeah, I think so. He says, but if I tell my sister, I know she'll pray for her husband. He's the enemy. But he does, and she says, I'll pray for him. And then, a couple of days later, she says, I'm going to go and talk to him. She goes, she says, I, she says to Nehemiah, he'll either kill me or he'll accept it. But this is what I want to do. She's in love with the Lord. So she goes to her husband, the Taliban man, tells him, What's happened? I've met Jesus. I've even led four of your sisters to Christ. This is what he's done. And she explains the gospel in the best way that she can. She doesn't know what she said. I don't know what you're going to do. Maybe you'll kill me. Maybe you won't. But I need to tell you this. And he says, wow. He says, I've been wondering what has made a person like you to love me in the last few months. How could you actually, you're actually being kind to me. You're actually loving me. I never expected that you would love me. I never expected that you would do this. You, you used to want to run away, but you're being, you're making our home beautiful. Formed. Receives the call. She's formed. She's shaped. And now she's joining the mission. He hasn't become a believer. But he said, if Jesus can do that for you and make our home like this, Keep going. We need to pray for that Taliban man to come to Christ. But here's what's amazing. Her own testimony is this. I was, my identity was, a girl sold in slavery to a Taliban man. Now I'm the daughter of the king with a part to play in his mission.
Come, follow me, and I will make you fishers of men. She is a fisher of men in Afghanistan today, playing a vital part for the kingdom of God. Jesus is alive. And when you join that mission, you see how precious, how sweet, how amazing this gospel is. I'm going to show you a video of a dear, dear brother. I wish you could see his face, one of the sweetest faces you'd see. Drug addict for years, opium addict for years in Iran. The lowest of the low. Comes to faith, somebody disciples him. Helps him follow Jesus and he wants to share with others. And so he starts to share with other addicts and people are responding. So he wanted the word of God, the precious word of God to share with them. And so he asked for Bibles. So we were able to arrange And it's not easy to get Bibles into Iran or to share them or to distribute them. And it's a risk. Anybody caught with these, it's a risk. That's why we have to blur his face. So please even don't take any video or anything just for his own security. Um, but you see, he did, we, we got, this was in October last year, we got him a, his first box of Bibles, New Testaments and some Bibles. He was so excited to receive this, he decided to take a video with his phone and send it to us just to share that moment of opening the box. And that's what you'll see in this video.
Thank you to those who are standing with us, and, and that's you guys as well. You've been part of that. Many of you have given generously to get Bibles like that to people like him who want to follow Jesus, who want to make him known, who want to make disciples. Jesus invites us to follow him. He invites you. So the challenge is now to us. What is your discipleship to Jesus going to look like? What is my discipleship to Jesus going to look like? He invites us to follow him, to be made, and to join his mission. That's the call to discipleship. But honestly, if, I mean, if we're honest, the word discipleship can often sound really hard. And uh, when we think of discipleship, we think of, maybe we think of the things that we're going to lose. And we think of things like self-denial. That's just horrible, isn't it? Self-denial. Oh, I've got to do, I've got to, uh, obedience. And, you know, things I'm just going to have to give up if I'm really going to be a disciple. If we're honest, we think like that somewhere in our minds or our hearts. But what if we thought about it in what we gain? Jesus says, if you lose your life, you gain your life. Jesus says, when you die, then you live. What if we realize that it's the greatest call? We understand. Jesus, in John chapter 6, there were people who began to follow him. But when his teachings got hard, some people said, I, I, think, I think that's enough. So Jesus said to the 12, he said, what about you? And I asked you, what about you? As the world gets harder and harder and things get more challenging, and voices, what about you? What about me? What are you going to do with your following of Jesus? And Peter says this, where else shall we go? You have the words of eternal life. Peter understood there is no greater call. There's no better way. There's no better journey to be on than the journey with Jesus Christ. He is the resurrection and the life. He is the door. He is the great shepherd. He is the light of the world. He is the way, the truth, and the life. He is full of grace and truth. His invitation is to come. His invitation is to those who are weary and heavy laden. His invitation is to life and life to the full. Where else shall we go? Where else can you go? Guys, go after Jesus. Stick with him. Stay with him. Stay close to him. Allow him to shape your life. Allow him to make you into something. Allow him to invite you into this great mission that he has. It's the greatest call. The best thing you can ever do is be his disciple. And the most loving thing you can do for others is to help them follow him also. Last story. This invitation is for everyone, even the most broken people. In fact, Jesus loves to work with the most broken. A friend of mine, and, and that's why I encourage you to reach your Iranian friends here. Uh, one of our team was met an Iranian who'd become a Christian in America, encouraged him to share the gospel with his friends back in Iran. This guy's been here for 30 years. So, but... He does it. He calls an old friend from school. He says, I've become a Christian. 
He realizes this friend is now a senior military man in Iran. The guy says, I, I'm not really for me, but maybe because of his job he was afraid or whatever. He said, but maybe you can talk to my son. His son's name is Imad. So he explains the story. Basically, he's estranged from his son, but he gives him a number. So our friends call Imad. When Imad was young, he, basically his relationship with his dad was strained from the beginning. His dad was a military man, a man's man. He wanted his, dad, his son to, to follow him and be like him and be interested. In, but Imad was not. He was interested in other things. And slowly, slowly, the father disapproved of him, mocked him, and uh, basically didn't want him around because he didn't like his son. And when they had guests, and particularly when he, they had military uh, people come to the home, he would tell his son, please leave. Can you imagine the pain? So he leaves, he'd come back. Finally, one day, when his dad said, we've got guests, go out of the house. He goes out and never comes back. Lives on the streets of Tehran on his own, 15, 16 years old. Ends up on drugs, alcohol, messed up life. Gets this call from this guy. Says, oh, your dad gave me the number and begins to share the gospel. The guy comes to Christ. Imad gives his life to Jesus Christ. And so our friend starts to disciple him. He is changed. He's beginning to be formed. He's beginning to change. He still has his challenges, but he's, his life is changing. He goes back to his dad's home. Dad sees something incredible in his life. And he goes back and lives in his dad's home. Four or five years after he'd first left. Reconciliation. Then we have to get him his first Bible. So when you, what they were doing for him because of the security, you don't just turn up at somebody's house because you've got to, whoever's distributing the scriptures in Iran, it's dangerous. So what they do is they arrange with the person they're giving to, they say, where would you like, so give us your address, but we'll, will hide the Bible somewhere near your house. And they hide it under, you know, a, behind a trash can or behind a, you know, a lamppost or something. So that, and then they take a picture of that, they send it to the person, and the person knows that somewhere there, go and pick it up. So, our friend says to Imad, where would you like his, he says, anywhere in Tehran, anywhere in North Tehran, right? Anywhere, just, just tell me where you put it, I'll go and pick it up, it doesn't matter. So it's like saying, Anywhere in North, you know, Los Angeles, you know, just pick a place. That's quite a big area, right? So he gets the picture. He stares at the picture. Calls the guy and says, why are you sending me this picture? He says, because that's the place where I left the Bible. And he says, but why this picture? Repeats the question, that's where I left the Bible. He's still in shock. Why are you sending me this picture? That's where we've left the Bible. He says, you didn't know? Didn't know what? You didn't know? Didn't know what? Shows him the picture, the picture you see it now. A park bench. And he says to the man, that is where I slept for four years. That is the place of my misery. That's the place of my pain. 
And now God, in all of these park benches, has chosen this one place to redeem the place of his misery. He gets the word of God in the place that was his greatest pain. Jesus knew his bench. And friends, I want to say Jesus knows your bench. He knows your bench, your secret pain, the hardest parts of your life. And Jesus Christ, my Jesus, your Jesus, can redeem it. And he says to you right there, come follow me. Oh, it's the greatest call. Can you imagine how joyful Imad is that the God of all the earth, the creator of every Thing, has called him. Do you think Imad thinks there's a greater call that he can follow? Of course not. The God of creation knows your bench and he says to you in your bench, come follow me. I'll make you. I'll take the broken parts of your life and let's go do some great things together. There's no greater call. So as we close, I'm going to ask you to pray for us. We want to make Jesus the biggest conversation in Iran. Pray that we can do it. Get the Bibles out, support, help, train, send people like the ones I've talked to you about. If you want to follow our story more, hear more of these stories, we've got a new podcast that you can sign up to on iTunes or Spotify or wherever else. It's on all the platforms. Jesus Speaks Farsi, some beautiful stories uh, just people sharing their testimonies. I think you'll love that. And you can share it with others, share it with your friends. We'd love thousands and thousands of hear, to hear those stories. But then for you, I encourage you to renew your commitment to Jesus, to follow him, to be his disciples and to help others be disciples. But maybe you're here and you've never made that decision. I invite you, this is the greatest call that you will ever have. Today could be the best decision you'll ever make to follow Jesus as Lord. And I'm sure the church has people that can come and pray with you if you want to make that decision. So I'm just going to pray. And then after that, a video of a baptism of Iranians. Some of you may have seen this before, but it's just a beautiful way to finish. And as you watch it, pray for them. But they'll also just renew your commitment to the Lord Jesus. Father, I pray for my brothers and sisters in this room. Lord, we thank you. Oh God, we thank you. Thank you so much that you give us this call. Jesus, we love you. Lord Jesus, we love you. Thank you for this, the greatest call that any of us could have. Thank you that you know us and you invite us, Lord, to follow you. So I pray Lord, that we would choose to follow you, allow you to form us, Lord. And Lord, we say we want to join your mission. In Jesus' name, amen.
Wow. Thank you, David. While we can celebrate those stories, I just want to remind us that this is not just a call for people in another country. It's our call to join the Lord Jesus in his mission. And maybe you need to follow Jesus today. Our care team will be down front after the service. You can speak to them. They'll be of help to you. You can call the number at the end of the broadcast if you're watching us online, and one of our pastors will help you so that you can know Jesus and follow him. And then I want to say to you as a Calvary Church, I don't know about you, but I'm humbled that we get to be a part of something like this, something bigger than ourselves that God is doing. And as you give financially to Calvary, we get to invest in ministries like this. This is one of our major partners, and um, that money we give away through our general fund giving goes to make an impact uh, on people we'll never meet, but incredible stories of what God is doing. Thank you so much, David. Thank you so much. If you will stand with me, I'm going to pray and we'll conclude the service then, but the team is going to sing one more song, God's So Loved. So if you want to hang around and sing with them, great. If you need to go get your children or need to move out, that's fine too. But this song is a great song for us to be sent out on. We go to these people, our neighbors, our friends, our colleagues. We invest in partners like this together as a church all around the world so that people can hear about the love of Jesus. Father, thanks for David and for what he shared with us today. Thank you that he went back to that basic call of discipleship that we've been called into, all of us who know Christ. Form Christ in us, and then may we join you in your mission. We know this is all because you loved us. You love people that in a geopolitical way could be considered our enemies, and yet you love every human being. Thank you for our part encouraging and getting Bibles into places like Iran and encouraging believers there to share their faith. And may we share our faith today with that same enthusiasm and understand we have that same call. Bless David and Elam. Bless our opportunities as a church and as individuals even today to be a witness for Christ because you so love the world. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.